the appeal of it is if you grew up watching, let's say, Power Rangers. I thought I was an example. But if you grew up watching shows like that that have a huge cultural impact on you and you get to be those characters, you really find yourself in the love of a craft. It's the same as, you know, collecting shoes or even collecting, you know, figurines, um, items such as that. You want to invest a lot of time and money into your craft. So a lot of people just see it as a hobby or people see it as a job. I mean, I know a bunch of people that get jobs based off of it. Hello, guys. Welcome into the second episode of Tantilla Talks. Now, this one is by far the longest one and will probably be the longest one I ever record. Um, but I do urge you to listen to all of it. It is very good. Um, me and my friend, Rolando, talk about a lot. Um, we start by just seeing how each other's been. Then we talk a little bit about COVID for a while. Um, we also talk about our experience being, um, in high school and then, um, doing the musicals. And then he talks about his passion and his love for, um, cosplay. I, you, we get to learn a lot about that so i very i very much urge you guys to listen to the whole podcast and you know what i mean it's my second one but please give me feedback tell me what you want tell me if you want more of these types of podcasts where you just learn about someone if you want some different format i want to know you guys' opinion so please let me know and just welcome into the podcast guys i hope you enjoy this episode so we're live hello everyone welcome back to another episode of Tantilla talks welcome to episode two i know it's been a while i'll explain that in the i always explain that in the intro but now without further ado uh, let me introduce you to my guest Rolando. are you there Hey, I'm there. I'm surprised we even do a sound check, but we're gonna just jump right into this. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's um it's doing the app, so there's no really sound check, but and I can't edit it, so I kind of just gotta jump into it. Nice, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so how you been, man? I, I haven't talked to you in forever. Oh gosh, Kyle, let me tell you, it has been a calm two years since the both of us have actually maybe physically been together and that oh, was like God, high school so long oh man yeah you know life is doing good uh i think i think anthony said it best last time uh, on the podcast that you know we're definitely in a moment of uh weird times right now these are definitely weird and strange times well, but this is something no one no one in our generation uh actually like most of the generations that are alive right now no one has really experienced this. Yeah, and if you had told me this like two years ago that we would end up quarantining for many months and there'd be a flu that scares and ends the world, I, I honestly, I probably would have prepped a lot better than what I did now. <laughs> this definitely just kind of came out of nowhere. I know. But, uh... it, it is crazy. <laughs> I mean, definitely. I mean, I think for me, if someone like said to me two years ago, hey, in two years, there's going to be a pandemic that makes that basically shuts down everything for an entire year. 
And then even when things reopen, it's still gonna be strict, like strict quarantine. I'm, I'm be, I'd be like, you're kidding. It's a, it's a sickness. It, it doesn't mean anything. Oh, I, I definitely would have prepped like two oh, years you, ago. So you were then one of the preppers. Oh, absolutely. I, I should have gotten a lot of toilet paper. Let's put it <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You know, Dude, I'm willing. My, my I'm willing to people think I'm crazy for doing it. Nah, my college is actually. I just got an email like ten minutes ago before I saw this that I'm. I was randomly selected to do another COVID test. Really? Dude, this will be my fifth COVID test I've taken this year. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely taken a, a handful of them just for the jobs that I've been doing. But yeah. obviously, you you know, safety is the number one priority, no, especially in this time. It's just like sometimes like I'm like, oh, my gosh, I literally like I got tested two weeks ago. I'm like, oh, my gosh, again. <laughs> yeah, again, these are these are weird times. But overall, you know, I'm doing good mentally, physically. You know, I think now that we are in September and we had a few months to process this. I think I'm definitely in a better mind space than I was in the beginning. And I hope that is for you as well. Thanks. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, in the beginning of it, it was so like my timetable was kind of weird. So it really started in like March. That was like because it was on spring break was, you know, we were mm-hmm. about it, but it wasn't big yet, you know. You know, I mean, it was it was getting bigger, but it wasn't like to the point where we're like, oh my gosh, this is scary for the United States, you know? Right. And then once spring break happened, that's when basically shit hit the fan and every college basically shut down. Yeah, it. we, I think as Americans, we definitely think that we're unstoppable in the sense, like we had heard about this in January. We're like, ah, it will never come to us. It's in China. And then... It, it honestly, it this came at a no perfect time because it came around the time that, like you said, spring break, all the kids and all the college kids and all the high schoolers were going out to these different spots. You know, people like to travel and have fun for their spring break. So it came at a most at the most pivotal, like pivotal time imaginable. We have people leaving the country, going to all these places, and then coming back. Yeah, it, it came at like the post, like if you want to really see like. For the for the um, virus, it came at the perfect time for that, you know. Oh, absolutely. That's like the perfect timing for a virus to get big when everyone's traveling. I mean, it's the same thing in like when high school starts or when college starts, and everybody gets sick because you're around people who have you come all over the so country. Months. Like you're just bound to catch something. Yeah, and... like me, I, I like so. And it's not COVID, but because I already got tested for that. But like two weeks ago, before my my last COVID test, I got another COVID test because I felt sick. I I just had a runny nose and a cough. I'm like, you know what? Just be safe. I mean, I was I said to my parents, ninety nine percent, it's a cold. But you know, I'm not gonna take that one percent chance. Right. So I got the COVID test. Sure enough, they're like, oh yeah, it's just a cold. You don't have COVID. Yeah, and the funny thing is, this is so synonymous with the common cold that, you know, I I have this, now people have this fear of just coughing because it's going to be like, oh, it's COVID. Like, remember when Ebola came around and everybody was coughing and was like, oh, you got Ebola. Like, it was such a jokingly term, but it's like, it's so synonymous now. 
legit like basically like that's i literally read something from one of my other friends posts they said can we stop can can i cough and just be a cold and not me having covid right like that fear is now instilled yeah like now everyone's just scared like you can't even cough without someone being like you have covid but like when they say that it's not like the joking way that everyone used to say like with ebola right this is like a legitimate oh my gosh they have COVID. Stay away. Go go in quarantine. And keep in mind, though, Ebola was still a prominent thing even when it came out. But again, we took it, you know, even as children who didn't really con- grasp the concept of it, we still That's took it in thing. a joking manner. But it was still a real world thing. I mean, it's still around now. It, you just don't hear about it as much. But it's still very much a, a still thing. For sure. And I, I think another part of it is that we... You and me, we've uh, we've grown up. We've we've become adults practically in this world. That's right. That's so, what I keep telling my mother. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So like basically, when Ebola came out, we were we were little kids. We were, we didn't really know the understanding of the term pandemic. We were like, oh, it's just like a cold. Oh yeah, like again. Yeah, I think you had said it even on your last podcast, you know, the the most thing that we could probably compare this to is the Spanish flu. I 100% agree around that because it, it literally came around the same about time. I mean, Spanish flu was probably about 1913. So we're talking at least close to World War One, if not already in World War One. Plus, following that, there was the Depression and everything else that followed suit. This is that is probably the most comparable thing to this. And even now, I don't think people should treat this so lightly. But obviously, you know, us as humans, we're only going to take so much. Yeah. And I think it's also like now, now, since we're in September and going into October, I think a lot of the, at least in my opinion, a lot of the country is getting to the point of, okay, we've dealt with it. We're not getting that many cases. I mean, there are cases rising for sure. Like I've seen the news. I mm-hmm. think Florida spiking again. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's gone, but I think a lot of the um, a lot of the people in the country are being like, "Okay, we've dealt with this already. Can we just move on back to normal?" Right, and people, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not no scientist. I don't know nothing about medicine, but a lot of people believe that there's this herd mentality. So it's like, you know. Let's say a group of us are in a room and we all got sick. Well, eventually we're all just n- going to be not sick because we've all just gotten to the use, used to the fact that we were all sick. It's like a herd immunity. So I think that's what people's concept of it is. Because I know people yeah, I who, if they are quarantined for maybe two more months and anything and everything did not start opening up, they were going to lose their minds. For sure. No, my, my one friend, he's a nursing major. He, um, he spoke to me about that during the summer. He like said, "Kyle, listen. Basically, because I guess there's two versions of this COVID. There's the Chinese version, and then there's the European version. Mm-hmm. I guess the there's the, so they're the same virus, kind of, but there's two different versions. And I guess I don't know. I think he said the Chinese one is more deadlier or something." I mean, um, I mean, I'll take, I'll take I'm his word. Sure. He's, no, he's the med, he's the medical profession over here. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not professional either. I'm just staying where I've heard. But basically, he said, if you, God forbid, but like if someone catches both of them, then they will be immune. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like we still don't know about the 
this virus. It's only been, it hasn't even been a year. Like, if you really think about it that way, it hasn't even been a year with this virus. And that's the crazy it, part. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's felt like two, it's felt like five years for me. You I, know what I mean? It's felt like so long with this quarantine. Oh, for sure. I, I distinctly remember like April and May just dragging forever. Honestly, I don't even remember much of those months just because I knew, I think mentally, that it was just dragging. And I was like, oh my God, like it's already May. I remember it being like, you know, March. And it to think about it now, I mean, we're in September. It's been seven, what, seven months close to? Not wow, even? Yeah. About uh, so May, June, July, August, September. Four only four months with that. Yeah, I mean that's that's the crazy part. And what we really quarantined for, I think two months. Everything started opening back up, I believe, in June. Yeah, and that's when it started spiking again in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is basically. Like with those two months of quarantine, they were so long. I just remember like March and April just being so long being online and like for for me at least for college, like being online and just having to go through these classes that I love being in person for. And now I had to sit in my bed or sit in the office at my house and like just like just sit there at a computer screen, you know? Oh, it is is definitely a different experience. I mean, I'm not in college, but I can I can at least empathize with the fact of what college kids are going through. I mean, you went from an environment that you were just surrounded by other people thinking, you know, there's always like going to be a physical attribute to it that, hey, this guy over here to my left and my right, you know, he's feeling me, he's feeling the vibe, like me and him are connecting on this page and we know what to discuss in this class. Now you're online, you're at home, you know, you're not going to really want to take it that seriously. You don't know. You don't know what anyone else is thinking, right. basically. And then for so since you're not in college, a lot of the kids that use Zoom, a lot of them, when it first started coming out, um, a lot of them didn't like trust the webcams and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they would do is they wouldn't even turn the webcams on. So then you're in a college environment, per se. You know, you're you're, you're in a college lecture, basically. Right. But only you see the professor, maybe like five people, when you know there there are twenty people there, but they're just not showing themselves. Yeah, and this is definitely different than a regular online class that you would take. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I I took at least one semester of college, but I do remember for at least one online class that you would basically just submit your your paper or your thesis or whatever, and then you just go. I mean, there might be maybe a lesson plan. The teacher might have a pre-recorded video but now you're actually in the class thanks to zoom where you have to get dressed you have to physically be there and there's certain things you know on the teacher syllabus that requires from you like you got to be dressed you got to be your like your webcam has to be on you know so this is definitely different than a typical online class yeah but like when it first started coming out it was totally different like the teachers didn't know what they were doing on zoom so they were just kind of winging as they went Mm -hmm. And like I remember, like it, there were a lot of kids that I remember when I was during the March, April, May portion of um, classes last semester online. Right. A lot of them didn't really get dressed per se. They would, you could tell they were still in their pajamas or whatever, you know. 
Oh, I've I've seen the videos. I've seen people on the toilet. I've seen people getting their haircuts. I've seen people on vacation. You know, it's it's great. Those are the funny ones. It's great. A lot of them with me, they were just in pajamas, and they're just like you know, just in class. It's like it's so weird to see someone in pajamas in a college class. Right. Cause it, like for me, at least I know I could not pay attention unless I had like unless I had changed, unless I had done my hair. Like I need those routines to feel normal. Right. And and again, you you are back at home now. Like, you know, home is supposed to be an escape from work or school. And now you have to mix the two. Yeah. So people have lost that motivation. I mean, I know I would lose the motivation once I would walk out of school or work. You know, home is supposed to be where I'm supposed to be de-stressing, you know, maybe playing games, working on like my hobbies. But now I have or to just watching TV. Right. Just just watching Netflix, Hulu, whatever. And now I have to blend the two together. And so people have just lost the motivation to just do anything because you're not in that environment. Well, hundred percent. Like I know from experience, like for me, it was very hard because, like, not only am I home where it's like you know supposed to be a very you know relaxing place to be, I also have two dogs. You know, so they 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 would either be running around barking, and I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, professor, my dogs are. Barking. Oh yeah, yeah. Or I'd have to bring them in the room, and then they would be distracting me. Like I love the dogs, but you know what I mean? They'd be a little distracting. Yeah, you just you just lose focus of what's going around. I mean, you're con- you're constantly yeah, stimulated I, I, by things around you now. Yeah, like, I mean, I definitely lost days of notes. Like I just didn't care about writing notes down. I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. I really, I did feel that sense of lack of motivation. I mean, I. I mean, I don't like saying this, but I actually have a class from the last semester that I still have to actually get done because I literally just fell behind and I just couldn't keep up. So I still have a class that I'm doing from last semester and I had to get done by this semester. Yeah. And again, these are just weird times because I know people who paid for like student housing who just had to give up their leases essentially just because they had to go home i mean what do you do with something so drastic like that like you're going from such a change of people's everyday normal lives to now you have to be quarantined in your house go out for only important matters and now you implement a curfew yeah remember that when they they were i think it was like they wouldn't allow anyone driving from 8 p.m. Oh, yeah. Every, everything. I mean, you can maybe find some wavings of maybe some food spots or maybe some bars staying up past 8, but there was a point that everything shut down at 8. And if you went outside, it was a ghost town. I remember that because when I I worked at my job, there was a fear of a lot of the people like that did opening shifts like I did. I like I'd have to start driving around like six thirty to get there. Mm-hmm. I remember the curfew was from eight p.m. to eight a.m., and it was a legitimate fear for the first like two weeks of a lot of the coworkers that like opened like me. Yeah, that we were like, are we gonna get stopped by police just for going to work? Yeah, I mean that is again that's such a dramatic change. You're asking people like literally a million plus people. We're talking at least billions just to change the way of life that people have known for maybe 20, 30, 50 plus years with no changes like that. And so it's not even like 
the fact that it's a, ch- a big change is the fact that it's a big change so fast and so sudden. Right. Like hum- human beings, we're we're beings of nature of of, of um repetition of um I don't know of I don't know what the word is pattern basically. Yeah. You know? So like we human beings, we get used to being a pattern of something, and we keep doing it, and then all of a sudden, boom, we, we're forced to change everything. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, and again, it wasn't like no one could have honestly prepped for this. I think when they first announced the lockdown, I think it was maybe, what, maybe a day or two before they actually started implementing it. And I think I had just read it like the morning of, like the last day. So just imagine that just being like, hey, so starting tomorrow, everything you know is going to change. And how do you, how do you even like wrap your mind around that? And how do you even like, like not even wrap your mind, but like how do you even like cope with that? Right. you know, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's I agree with myself and you and Anthony. It's definitely a crazy time. So, getting out this COVID. That's train, right. Because I don't want the whole podcast. To <laughs> that was the, that was the COVID section of the podcast. Yeah, that was the COVID section <laughs> of the podcast, guys. <laughs> um, so, getting into let's let's talk about you. Um, so I met you. When was it? Basically, in like I want to say eighth grade. Was it junior yeah, high? Yeah, eighth grade. Yeah, with um, chorus one, right? Uh, chorus. Yeah, I was thinking about the musicals, but yeah, we we started. Yeah, chorus. well, so I did the musical in ninth grade, but I literally eighth grade was like the start of my chorus, I guess, career, as you say, because every year after that, I just started doing it. Um, but I didn't start doing the musicals up until ninth grade. And at first in chorus, I was, I think I was a tenor and I switched over to the basses mm-hmm. and I was so mad about that. You went to the I was yes. so mad. I was like, no, I'm being downgraded. How I dare you? You and me, we used to be jamming out with you. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we can do it. And then one day, the teacher, I won't say the name, it's just because, you know, right. privacy and everything. But she was like, hey, um, Rolando, <laughs> I don't think you're a tenor anymore. I said, come on, just give me a chance. I'm right there. <laughs> yeah, you were oh, my you God. Were I was so you, mad. You were begging me. I felt like it was such a downgrade. <laughs> <laughs> but the funniest thing is, like, the basses get, like, lots of the melody sometimes. Oh, right. So after after that, I was just, you know, I was ecstatic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah well, I, absolutely. Cool. <laughs> yeah, because then you're like, oh, I don't have to learn any harmonies. I, I get to just sing the right the again. Basses is, you know, that's definitely. I'm not gonna say it's the flavor of the music, but we're it's definitely the foundation. Yeah, but it was so funny. I remember, like, I I didn't even remember that until now, but now it like comes back to me. It was so funny because it was like. Because, like, I think you were, like, one of my only friends as a tenor, yeah. you know? Because there, there was there was, there was a tennis, but there was a click, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you're, you're just going to find like, clicks all and over. And you and me, we just, we just vibe, you know? Yeah, it it was definitely a dramatic change because, again, in chorus, you, you kind of only really stay friends to the people that you're surrounded by. So if tenors are grouped with just tenors, you're obviously going to be friends with tenors, as same with bass and sopranos and altos. I mean, that's just kind of the the norm of it. 
how it goes. Unless you're actually like mixing them in between, you're really only talking to your voice part during the class. Yeah. Yeah. And I I remember it was just like, you know, it was like, oh, no, I'm losing a friend. I was like, no, I'm losing him. Trust me, Kyle, it was not an easy... Easy switch up, honestly. As you as you said, I I, I fought hard. <laughs> you did. You got like I think it was like a month, and you you still like almost every class. You're like, are you sure I can't be a tano? Oh yeah, I was trying. Like my full squeaker voice was coming out, just trying to reach those notes. I was like, come on, give me a, give like, me a chance, coach. Put me in, coach. Put me in. And it's just a, a squealing fest. Of me just trying to hit one note, and she's just like, mm, "No." Yeah, and, the, and the and the sad thing would be like that would be like an easy note for me. Yeah, play. I'm just like, man, I, you, I miss those like, notes. You'd be like forcing your, you'd be forcing your voice to do it. I'd be like, "Oh," and I'd be like, "How do you do that?" Oh man, you know what? Next time, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna switch the papers around, and then you're gonna be a bass. You know, if I could have a time machine, I'm just gonna switch you to the bases. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <Okay. laughs> joking joking no but it, it was honestly no, a good no, I, good no. switch up though i after a while i did really enjoy being a bass yeah i mean you you definitely you know like after a while you definitely came into and you were like fine you were you were yeah. there too <laughs> but, and then i remember um in high school when you were um you were in course with me that was fun because a lot of the times a lot of the songs tenors and basses would mm-hmm. in an angle. So that was fun because then we got to kind of, you know, I mean, we were still friends throughout the school, but then we got to like be closer again in a way. Yeah, because the the songs in the high school were much more rhythmically appealing. I probably can't even say that word right, but you know what I mean? Where the sense that you need to integrate everyone's voice parts together have that perfect blend so a lot of the times you would have to exactly mix the voice parts just so you could find the right harmony because you know as basses and only tenors and listening to your voice part you're only going to hear you so you don't hear how powerful yeah, you are in the song the it was hard yeah a lot of the times it was hard and like for me like i definitely i'll admit this now since i'm not in high school anymore but i will say for me for a while, it was very tough to um to get um the voice part. I'd be like, I'd be struggling, and then there'd be like some people that were like, just oh yeah, I got the I got the voice part. I was like, wait, it's that? I thought right. it was this. Because it... so it was definitely a lot easier once um the the teacher like you know she said, oh yeah, if you if you listen to the bass part, you can find your your note because you're yeah and just just simply just audiate the note you know and i think i think that's a good teaching method you know just just to inter intermix them like that yeah so then how did i forgot how did you get started with the musical did you want to do it initially or did we did the course kind of like force you into it so going back to Going back to that, so let's start in seventh grade. Um, I just came to the district, a uh, new student, and you know, as a new kid, you don't 
necessarily know where you belong. And I think, you know, schools, unfortunately, like you said, it's like a click kind of thing. So you wonder, you're trying to find yourself and trying to be where you are. And I remember distinctly towards the end of the year, you know, they always have a talent show. And I said, you know what, this was something I was thinking about even back in my old district. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try out for it. So I tried out, I did the talent show. Great. Fast forward to the end of it, a teacher comes up to me, which to this day, I have no idea who it was. It was a male. I honestly don't remember who he was because I've never been in chorus. He just recommended me that I should do chorus next year. And I said, yeah, of course. So again, we're back into that cycle again that I don't really know many people. So now I'm in this chorus class. And again, I'm trying to maybe stay a little bit low key, you know, not trying to put myself out there like that, but I'll still do talent shows. Well, that same um, course teacher now at the junior high, she's recommending that next year I should try out for the musical. I said, you know what, maybe I will give it a try. So we did it. Uh, honestly, and this is apparently it's unpopular opinion, but I really did like that musical in ninth grade. All, Once on this island, I really did like it. A lot of people <laughs> have a lot of disagreements on it, but I think that it was a wonderful musical. I Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think a lot of people, the only reason they would say that musical sucked was the... Oh, ending. oh, the tree? Oh, my God. We made fun of that for... Yeah. I mean, we were still making fun of that even after that. Even even in high school, we were like, Mambo, it's a tree. I remember one time... Because I remember that that's how it like went. Like, she turned into, and like instead of like, being like... Because I think most of... like I think the reason we thought it was a joke and the audience thought it was a joke is the way we said it. Like, if we pronounce it and she became a tree, you know, it'd be more powerful. But instead, we said, and she became, and then we, like, wait, and then, a tree! It's, like, very, like, that like that whole... Oh, it's, it's, it's definitely, like, a, a door and explorer fact. kind of thing. Where it's, like, can you find a thing? Like, obviously, you're not going to take this so seriously. I mean, we said that line and we rehearsed it definitely way more than 10 times, even before the show. We yeah. knew that it was, to us, a joking line. I mean, you have a musical that's talking about a bunch of gods and a, basically a story of a Romeo and Juliet situation where the the male figure is kind of like an upper class citizen and the woman is a like poor yeah lower class poor and just you have all these themes going on and it's colliding and you finish it off by saying you know a tree like obviously the whole thing leading up to that it's it's totally like nonchalant like what if in Romeo and Juliet you just saw them you know they didn't obviously I won't spoil it however but let's just say at the end you know they just went across a rainbow well I will like you're not gonna take the rest of the story leading up to that yeah, no, but like I think, I think, but it was also because it was a little different than Romeo and Juliet. Because if I remember correctly, the male lead I won't say who it was because I forgot the name and I won't say mm-hmm. the actual actor. But um, if I remember correctly, the male lead doesn't even fall in love with the female lead, does he? Doesn't he choose someone else? <laughs> I I think so. I, I don't know. And that, I, I, again, it you build the story based on that is she's just blindly falling in love with this guy and 
the guy in the end doesn't even yeah, fall in love with her. Yeah, the gods basically challenge her. Oh yeah, make him fall in love with you, and we'll spare you. Again, it, it. I think that was the whole plot because I think, I think it goes, you know, two classes separated. Rich boy gets in the car crash, almost dies. Poor, poor female lead comes in, saves him, saves his life by mm-hmm. begging the gods. Gods do it. Then they're like, okay, now the price is your life. And then she's like, oh, no, no. And then I think it was like, oh, oh, you know what? Here, here, You know what? We'll give you a challenge. If you can make him fall in love with you, then we won't kill you. Yeah. That's, that's basically the synopsis. You don't even have to watch the play no more. So that was it. Congratulations. You're welcome, guys. You just watched. We just read you your You're first welcome, musical. So, yeah, again, you have so many things going on. That ending... I don't even think there was no way to properly control that. I mean, that was just purely based on the audience. You know, we probably could have said that 20 more times differently each night. But at the end of it, I mean, that line is still there. We're not going to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And I think the the line, like, it was also just the fact, like, it's such a abrupt change into what it would you would mm-hmm. think it would be so it's just like whoa and i think it's that like it's that abrupt change where the audience is kind of like oh it's a joke or oh that's oh and i i think they definitely took it as that it was definitely like oh you, oh no you're serious <laughs> like it was definitely one of those epiphany moments like mm-hmm. oh okay this is actually part of it like, you know, at least in musicals and plays, if there's, like, a malfunction on stage or something, the actor could really, like, play it off. But I distinctly remember when we said that line and we revealed the tree, it was, it was complete laughter. I mean, how do you even recover from that as a group, let alone just one person? Yeah, legit, this is how it went. So this is how it went. It's like, we say the line, like, two seconds of pure nothingness and the abrupt laughter. And like, because the the director didn't didn't say like that was what was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. He didn't think that was gonna happen. So then everyone on stage is like in total like, wait, what they think is a joke? What do we do? How do we even deal with that? You know? And then I remember it was distinctly laughter, 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 and then it just got quiet. And then everyone's like, oh, oh, this is for real. That that's yeah. part of the story. That's not. And again, like, it, it oh, had oh. nothing. To- it there was no fault on the actor's part, no fault on the. I mean, it was purely just like the story's moment. I don't think it it properly yeah, built to that moment that that would be a reality. So it definitely just comes out of left field. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'll I'll rewatch it again. But I mean, I don't remember any build up to it. Maybe from the fact that the main female character just I think comes the from only a tree. Build up we got to it was, yeah. I think the only build up is I think. I think it's very. I don't even know if it's a build up. I think the only build up we got to it was in your opening when you you um say this tree is stood here, but the reason it's here is based on mm-hmm. a story or something like that. I don't know. I think it's you because you were part of you were part of the like intro. Story. Yeah, just like one of. I think it was about six of us. The main main story cast yeah. and we were just sitting around and the whole story is kind of told from like a backstory kind of thing like the the intro is definitely the present day and if we're retelling a story 
Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's, it, it was such a weird structure as a story. Like, you know, a lot of the times a storyline goes like this. You get the you get the intro, then you get the backstory, and then the backstory comes into present day. That's what a lot of storylines mm-hmm. do, that I've noticed at least. So it's a very different way of telling the story where it's basically backstory, back, uh, intro, which is present day, then all backstory, then back it back into the intro. Yeah, because you know, let let's put it like this. Um, there, you're wondering throughout the story. You know, what is the significance of this tree? Why is the tree so important to the story? And then come to find out, it was because one of the main characters has now been turned into said tree. So the tree, you know, represents the character of Timun. So now you're telling the story of yeah, Timun. Yeah, and her wish to, I think it was to make sure there's right. no separation of again. Yeah, wow, this, this is, is honestly, this is probably like the first time in a while that I've brought up like this musical. Again, I think it's personally one of yeah. my favorites. I'm not just saying that from my own biases of me being the lead. But I think overall, it is a good musical. I think I like a lot of the songs into it. Um, definitely a lot of the story points and themes from it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I, I, I remember I didn't get cast. In it. I don't think I even got a part in that one. But honestly, like, I, and this is me not being sour at all. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was okay with it. You know, I was like, okay, this is a cute play. Whatever. I didn't, I didn't think, I don't think that was my favorite. I think my favorite, if I have to say one, I think it's a toss-up. Okay. What, what are they? I think my so I think my first favorite okay. would be Footloose. Um, then my second and third favorites are the high school ones of um, mm-hmm. Curtains and All Shook Up. Because like even though the senior year show was um, Oklahoma, and I I mean I did get upon that it was small, but you know I still you know there's no no small absolutely points, you know, all that. I mean. I just, I liked, and because here's the thing, um, All Shook Up, I didn't get upon that one, but it was still one of my favorites just because I think. I yeah, because All Shook Up is definitely, is, it, yeah, it's like all Elvis oh, covers. Yeah. And then All Shook Up was like a big musical musical, you know, it was like, you know, it's a musical within a musical. Mm-hmm. I just, I like that concept, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I don't like Oklahoma, but that that I definitely you know. do like the the I guess the aesthetic of Oklahoma. Definitely the songs, like the main title song and um Oh What a Beautiful Morning. That's definitely like my two favorite songs out of like all musicals. You know, I think those songs are just so nice to hear. But if you had to ask me No, yeah, those those are the, the, the nicest songs in the show. I think my favorite song, if I had to do a song, just because it's so sick. I don't know why. Because it's, it, once you hear what my answer All right, is, let you're me... like, Kyle, you're sick. But I think my favorite song is Judge <laughs> Dead. I don't know why. I just love, I think it maybe was because of how actors played it. Like, it was such a sickening song 
and they play in such a like kind of comedic but actual mm-hmm. real effect, you know. Like the whole point of the song, to my understanding, was um the male lead, the good guy, basically like almost convincing Judd, you know, hey, if you if, you know you do this, you you know, yeah, and everybody and everybody will like you, and he's like, really. Yeah, now we won't like you now. Everyone hates you now. But if you do this, everyone will say good things about you. Yeah, yeah and I, I think I think that's definitely basically that's it, what it the is. It's actors definitely it. helped, you know, sell that scene even more. Because it, it is, it is a very yeah. serious topic, but if you play that just right, which they did, you you get a, a very very almost perfect and comedic slash serious tone out of it. I mean, a lot of comedians. Exactly, because that that song is very. If you think about it, that song, sends and I'll I'll say this a little trigger warning for everyone, but it's basically mm-hmm. you know saying suicide, you know, and be and because suicide is such a big you know topic and it's so controversial, that song is so hard to play if you really think about it to its core. Like it's hard to make a song that kind of glorifies it, but also is like right, you know, kind of a sick joke. And we're and we're talking about a musical from like the, almost the early nineteen hundreds. Like this is like one of the earliest works. Yeah, so it was also a different time. So this is it's definitely a song that I guess in today's yeah, it, oh it's definitely kind of definitely out of its time. Yeah, like now if you try now if someone try to pass that song on into your musical, you'll get oh, wet yeah, this... immediately. You'd be like, No, this is this is horrible. Oh yeah. I mean, if you even look back at like, you know, old comedians and just some of the material that they were throwing out, oh my god. They, they would have a, a fan fest out here. I mean, think about it, a lot of the times uh I mean, a lot of the times, a lot of the time, the male comedians, they would joke about, and another trigger warning, but a lot of them would joke about sexual conducts and, like, you know, kind of not raping a girl, but like saying, mm-hmm. oh, I can get a girl just because I'm famous. Yeah. They... Like, just that. Basically, that would that would be equivalent of them being like, oh, yeah, I can, you know, I have sex with anyone just because I'm famous. I don't oh, even yeah. Need and if you, again, thanks to modern modern stories now and everything that's been happening in the news since those comedians have said that i mean we're talking like a a complete overhaul of just comedic everything without having the worries or pressures of oh i'm gonna get canceled the next day i say this because you know things on the internet they just you just know about things so fast now yeah everything's Um, everything's under my i mean if someone said that now it it would be all over Twitter. Everybody would know. It, it it would literally be the next minute. Like the minute they say it, it would come out the next minute. Oh, so and so has said this about this. Yeah, and it's like that's it, again such a dramatic change. I mean, we've definitely had as humans, we've definitely had a lot of dramatic changes in the last thirty years. I mean, from phones, internet, any electronical devices. Everything has changed in the last thirty years, and thankfully, right. most of it has been for the better. I mean, so I guess this could be a good subject to bring into. What are your on thoughts cancer, about culture? cancer culture? 
Oh, cancel culture. Cancel. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was like, well, cancer. Uh, well, cancer is already bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cancer. Yeah. yeah cancer does bad. suck. And we're putting that out there right now. <laughs> but that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cancel culture. Oh, wow. So that is definitely a subjective kind of topic because there are certain things that, you know, I won't get into the nitty and gritty about it, but I'll talk about it as an overarching thing. It is definitely a subjective matter because depending on what it is and I guess the ramifications of it, it could definitely offend or just ruin or like, I guess just even ruin just a person's career. I mean, let's look at like most news articles that's been happening in the last few years. Like people have been canceling. I'll just throw one out there. R. Kelly, you know, R. Kelly has been, you know, and he has every right to, you know, what he's done is heinous crimes. I won't get into the details of it. If you know about R. Kelly, then you definitely know people have been canceling him and, you know, his music and rightfully justified too. There's no argument about that. I won't try to defend a man for what he did, you know, but there are certain other aspects of the culture as well, where it's like, you know, maybe this person said a, what would be perceived as a harmless joke has now been turned into an even more serious matter. And now it's just ruined everyone's culture. I mean, I'm trying to think of the lady's name who had the show and it was a very popular show. I think it was Roxanne. You know, she said a few, you know, jokes, which again, were a product of the time that she was from. You know, she's definitely an older woman. And her, she had a long running show for a long time. And she said something maybe a few years ago, which again, comedians in the eighties would have just had a frenzy about, you know, race jokes, women jokes, sexual jokes, you know, that was definitely like a product of the time. And she said something about that recently, maybe not too recently as in 2020, but in the last 10 years or so. And her show has completely been canceled. It got brought back. It was canceled. You you rarely hear about her, if at all. And I don't think that was rightfully. Yeah. Oh, Roseanne. Oh, yeah, Roseanne. Thank you. I said Roxanne. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about the song. But yes, Roseanne. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Once once you said yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, like, oh, yeah. The whole time I'm, I'm saying like Rose, I'm Roxanne. The whole thing. The whole time. I was thinking, I'm like. I'm like Roxanne. Yeah. I, I, know I knew it song. started with an R, so we were getting there. Yeah, it's basically the, the same thing applies. You know, it's very subjective. I don't think there is no definitive yes or no about it. It's just, I mean, it's there. It helps, but it also doesn't help depending on what the situation is. For the most part, most things that have been canceled, you know, have been probably for the better but again it's all a subjective thing yeah like for me i this is how i think of cancer culture i think on the large scale right it's a good thing but i think it's so i think now i think in like 2019 2020 i think cancer culture is actually like quite harmful for a lot of people because Sometimes you can make a joke and you don't even mean for it to come out bad. 
as long as it offends oh, one person. Oh, yeah. And again, just how fast that could spread. I mean, we were talking like maybe me and you in a group together, just talking, and someone else from across the way can hear us. And immediately, someone will find out who I am or who you are. And they'll say, This guy said this, and this guy said that. And just immediately, Legit, like someone, like someone could literally take out what I said out of contents with. I forgot even uh, about the, you know, about Oklahoma. Like they could take, like mm-hmm. that's how fast cancel culture can kind of go. They can take what you say out of contact with the whole suicide and that, and be like, oh, Kyle can tell literally on the, you know, on the on a Twitter page. It could be next day. Yeah, he he basically approves of it, and everybody should do it just because he said it. But no, obviously, you don't understand the context of it. And that's yeah, and that's literally the opposite of what I said. But as long as it affects, yeah, it it doesn't matter. It's definitely you know, yeah, times are different. (laughs) Times times are different. I'm telling you, jokes are different. Everything in a it's so hard now because right. everything and everything always has an agenda. Now, whether the agenda is good or bad, there is always some sort of pressure or pol- or maybe political standpoint on it that you try to push it even harder. So something that might be a simple joke could turn into a real morally debating conversation. Huge scandal. You know, because especially in a politically tense situation that we're in right now in 2020, it's you you have to be careful especially about everything that you say. And right. And that's that's staying on forever. Whatever. I mean, you hear about it from all the times from celebrities about things that have happened to them that they've done in their youth that has now came back into present day and is now prevalent now. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll give an example for this. Like, um, there's this um, mm-hmm. TV show called The Flash on the CW. So one of the um, one of the leads, not the lead himself, Grant Gustin, but one of the side leads, um, his name. Right. Um, okay, I think I did hear Tommy about this. Sawyer. Basically, yeah. So basically, um, Hartley Sawyer, um. A while ago, he he did a lot of um, edgy tweets about mm-hmm. it was. I mean, they were bad, but this was. I think it was like ten years ago. He tweeted this out, and it just came back to him. And the show actually let him go. They said, "Yeah, we don't support this. We we decide to um, terminate Hartley's position on the show, and we don't know what we will do the character for now on. But he will not be returning for season seven. And just that right there, some tweet that happened ten years ago has could might have possibly ruined this guy's yeah. And and some people, some celebrities, they just somehow they miraculously are able to just escape it. And maybe it's a a temporary thing that people are all heated up about, but then you just never hear about it. Um, I remember with uh, Camille Cabello, the singer, and she had. You know, back when she was with, um, I think it was Fifth Harmony. You know, I'm, I, I don't, no, no harm to the, the, uh, the musician. You know, I just don't. I've never heard her that much. I've heard her songs on radio, but I think she was in the group with Fifth Harmony, and she was talking negatively about one of the members, 
which just so happened to be black. And, you know, there was a lot of racial jokes being passed around. I think at one point she had like a Tumblr post and a lot of the jokes that she put on there were definitely race oriented. And you heard about it maybe. God, this maybe had to be at least a year ago when I heard about this. I don't think I've heard. I, I, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I this was definitely I, like I a year ago. And then this year, I think I saw her perform at the Grammys. So, I mean, there's always just going to be like a, a relevancy on it. I think TV actors and actresses definitely kind of get the short end of the stick because you're so quick to just get rid of them because they're easily replaceable. Just like will any musician or any um, status of power. Uh, it's the same thing with that as well. Yeah, like I think definitely with actors and and directors, like in the entertainment, TV, movie industry, I think that's they definitely get a short end of that stick because, like, basically, if the if the movie or the TV show can get harmed from this, they'll be let go. Where like if it's a singer or a band, sometimes it's, it's harder to replace them because you need the certain voice or sometimes if they're like a solo act, you can't, you know, can't really right. replace. And on TV and movie, you could person. replace any character. You could swap them out. You can recast. I mean, when you're doing music, it's out there all the time. Yeah. Or you can, or you can do the big, biggest trope right. there and be like, Oh, he died off. Like it, the oh. same thing with like Amber Hertz, you know, the whole thing with her and Johnny Depp. I mean, she's playing a prominent female lead in Aquaman. How do you, now, what do you do with that? Do you just recast her? Do you do the same thing with that? I mean, it's so easy to just write off a character. But in the case of like R. Kelly, you know, he's canceled for sure. But his music is still out there. And it, and people are still listening to it. Because now you have to disassociate the music with the artist. And that's the big thing. I think a lot of people can't... A lot of people... It's so hard to... Um, how do I say this? Basically, like, it's so, uh, basically, like, it's very difficult to, like, say, you know, you're not going to listen to this music because of this person. Like, because, like, a lot of the times you have to just not, like, yeah, the guy did something bad, but you can't have the music suffer because of that. Because, I mean, if you really think about it, this is how it can go, you know? If you cancel all uh, Kelly, you basically have then if you're going to do that, then you should be canceling Michael Jackson. If you cancel Michael Jackson, you should be canceling, right. you know, and again, so-and-so. We're talking about music and like, that is people would consider classic. Now, people have their own, you know, stance about Michael Jackson, but you can't deny he was definitely one of the greatest entertainers of his time, especially of all time. I mean, like, I mean, everyone knows his song. Thriller. Everyone knows beat Billie it. Jean. Um, bad, you know, Thriller, Thriller, Beat It. Like, all those. Those are classic songs. And you, it's very hard for someone to say, oh, I don't want to listen. I mean, people say it, but it's like, very hard to think, you know, someone will say now, I'm not listening to that because of the, because the singer. Did right. This. I mean, if, even around Halloween time, you're still going to listen to Thriller. That is just inevitable. It's you can't you can't not listen to it. You know, it's a classic. Yeah. It, or do you, or even like back when he was in the Jackson Five. You know, I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus. Like oh, that's a yeah. And how do you how do you even just hears. 
the best thing to do in those situations is just to disassociate the artist from the music. From the music. Yeah. But um yeah, this was an interesting talk. So um so I kinda wanna get to know about more about you. So um from refresh my memory, you um so you were in high school with me and then Yes, you know you did you go in the service? I'm still in, you know. I think it's a it's a good experience. Uh and I'm not saying this because I'm like a recruiter or anything. You know, you join in the service, and this goes for anyone who's listening, <laughs> it's totally your choice. I'm not gonna try to persuade you on anything. I will only give you cold hard facts and my personal opinions on it. There is no biases with it, but honestly, it has been a thrilling experience for me. And honestly, I'm very happy that I took part in joining this organization of it because it it really is, you know, the military, you know. People have their own stance about it. People love their veterans, but some people could refer to us as baby killers. So, I mean, there's always two sides to a coin, and public perception always plays a key into what's going on. I mean, if you heard, you know, God forbid, someone shooting up a school, right? But he just so happened to be an old-time Marine vet. You're not going to hear, well, John Doe just shot up a school. You're going to hear a former former Marine. Yeah, former yeah, Marine. Absolutely. You know, it's the same thing like even now I have to be mindful about what I say which you know right sure, and they're not going to look at oh it's Rolando the character it's Rolando the soldier so yeah and that's the thing like a lot of the times like especially with like what you are doing it's no longer just Rolando, the person, this is his personal life. This is how he lives his life. It's now, oh, he, right. he's in the and military. And so that is the hard part military. that I he try to be right. mindful about when I'm talking with people who I don't know or who don't know me. I try not to have any political stances, at least publicly. Of course, you're going to have your own, but usually I'll keep them to myself as well as you know anything that I show online or do in public you know i have to be very mindful of what i'm doing which i think everyone should do because in this in this day and age yeah, you gotta I, watch I everything that, that you be. say yeah I, I mean i definitely noticed that with you social media you definitely are one of the people that i would say like very distant that distance oh uh, i'm just minding myself anything political that's happening and the reason i and the reason i say that is just because uh, I mean, I don't have a big following count in my my Instagram, but I know a lot of the time in my feed, there's a and mm-hmm. this is nothing sexist. This is just what I see from my from my following. But a lot of the females that I follow post right. every day something political, whether that that's conservative or liberal. Yeah, and you every day you just have to be stuff. mindful of everything. I mean, it's the same thing if let's say. Jeff Bezos, like Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world, you know, if he said something wild or people didn't agree with, you're not going to get mad at Jeff Bezos, the person you're going to get mad at Amazon. So now you're going to boycott Amazon and not do anything with them. So he has to watch what he's doing. Same with anyone like Elon Musk or Tesla, anyone of that sense who holds a. And that's why, like, even me, like, even even me, like, because like my 
my big thing I want to do when mm-hmm. when I get out of college is become an actor in LA. So even now, think about that future. I think about what I post every time. That's why, like, on my social media, a lot of it's just uh, selfies or it's um, photo shoots or it's me advertising. Yeah, because you just never know when things are going to pop back up. That's the crazy part. I think the only time I ever did something Mm -hmm. was during the BLM movement, you know. I think that, I mean, one, it's because I totally support the, you know, cause. It's not me, like, saying for PR standpoint. Right. Oh, yeah, I support it. There you go, you know. Like, definitely because, you know, I am I am one in minority, but, you know, that's the only thing I think I ever said in support of something. Everything else, I kind of keep my mouth shut. Like, if you're a deep friend or something, I might talk to you about it. But in the whole thing, like, that's why, like, even on my first podcast, like, I just briefly, briefly, very briefly covered the mm-hmm. election. I didn't really want to get too much into it, you know? Because it's so, it's so tense now with everyone. Like, you either, you know, basically, this is the big thing is, you know, once again, I'll go very brief on it. We don't need to talk about it, but a lot of the standpoints is this. Basically, if you support Trump, you're a racist. And then if you support Biden, right. you're a diehard liberal. That's basically the only two stances you get when you say either one. Right. So and people are always going to be entitled to what they one, speak you know? and what they preach. And it's just important to just keep that mindset of, you know, you just never know who who's watching. I know people who are sensitive. I know people who are diehards about ter- certain topics. You know, I will never bash them. If you have a political standpoint or any general statement that you think you disagree with with me, we can have a discussion about it. It shouldn't turn into no malice or hard feelings just because you are different than me. I mean, that's just humans in general. We're all different no matter what. Yeah, but I think it's I I mean, here's the thing. I totally agree with what you're saying, but I think right now, I think it's just I think it's cancel culture and a bunch of other things but i think now people are just so entitled to what right. they think i agree with that 100 percent. you're wrong and if you're wrong then you're you're a bad people person. are very you're stuck in their ways anymore. you know yeah and it it really yeah, is because people don't want to hear what other people think i mean if someone told you you know that you're wrong about something that you're truly passionate about you you're only going to take it one of two ways you're either going to agree or you're going to disagree. And most people's first instinct is to disagree as sort of a, like a defense mechanism. You know, if I said, Oh, you're wrong. Yeah. A lot of the time it's a disagreement. It's not just, it's not like, Oh, why would you say that? It's more like you, you're saying I'm wrong. Exactly. How dare you? You, you're, you're a bad person. You're not my friend anymore. It's not the, Oh, you think I'm wrong. Okay. Let me ask you, why do you think I'm wrong? Give me the reasons. Maybe I'll agree with you, you know? It's no longer like that anymore. It's a lot of, it's more sensitivity. It's people take what people say to heart instead of... Right, and importantly, no one is having a discussion. Everyone's talking, but no one is discussing it. Everyone's going to be... Again, everybody's entitled to what they speak and what they preach. But when you don't have a discussion about what you're talking about, or if you don't even understand the full story about what you're talking about then you just sound ignorant 
So it's important. It's important that's, to have these so conversations. If you don't know why BML or BLM is so important right now and just the story behind it and you just see it as a way of like, oh, you're anti-American, anti-white. And if you see it just that, yeah, or anti-cop, if you see it as this bad thing, you don't understand what the actual, you know, meaning is. Right. Meaning. Because you definitely and see it, you know. Because people... Yeah. And, like, we don't need to cover that. Yeah, it's very, very sensitive. That's a very But, again, if you're not having... And the bottom line is, if you're not having the discussion yeah. about it, then you are just ignorant to the topic of head. You cannot be stuck in your ways. You have to have a discussion about it. Yeah. Or, or those people that like don't want to have just stop uh, discussion. They're yep. they're plain ignorant and they just they don't care. You know, it can't yeah, be just as simple as that, which is sad, but it's true. Yeah. So you know, I like this. This is this is some deep conversations. Um, yeah, I no, like. That's why I do this podcast because I like the deep conversations with people, and I go personal bond to these people. You know, like Anthony, I didn't know some of the stories he told me, and like with you, even like it, you know, you form a deeper connection. Yeah, I, again, it's so important to have these you discussions. Know? You learn so much just from hearing other people's opinions and life stories that are totally could be totally different or totally similar to what you're you you've known so it's very important that you have discussions yeah because a lot of the times like you and me like we haven't seen each other in person mm-hmm. for two years like we see each other online but that's really it we might dm back and forth a little bit but that's really it there's no big you know yeah oh, hey, especially I, I especially now like you know, you just learn so much about a person now. And it, it's great. Because, again, like you said, we're having these discussions. Yeah. No. It's... Yeah. So going into a lighter topic, though, um, what I noticed on your social media, you post a lot of. Um, That's right. Now I am an advocate. Cosplay, like... I, I encourage it okay. heavy. <laughs> no, I just want to make sure I was corrected. Oh yeah, no, I yeah, I'm definitely offend um, anyone. You know, I've been cosplaying for a long time now. I've been cosplaying for at least going on five years, and wow, that's that's so long. I didn't. I just I remember. I think the biggest post I've ever seen. From you with the cosplay that still that goes to mm-hmm. mind right now is I think it was yeah the so suit. again yeah. cosplaying you know for people who don't know it's it's more than just the simple old oh, this nerd and stuff like that you know cosplaying is you know a, the wordplay of you know costume and playing a character so the appeal of it is if you grew up watching let's say Power Rangers I thought I was an example. But if you grow up watching shows like that that have a huge cultural impact on you and you get to be those characters, you really find yourself in the love of a craft. It's the same as, you know, collecting shoes or even collecting, you know, figurines, um, 
items such as that, you want to invest a lot of time and money into your craft. So a lot of people just see it as a hobby or people see it as a job. I mean, I know a bunch of people that get jobs based off of it. Yeah, so could you um, say it's kind of Yeah, I mean, for sure, because, again... Because how you describe it, it's like, for me at least, how you describe it, it's very similar to, like, what it is to be an actor. Like, when you get a character, you you become this character. Yeah, because, again, you you really feel the character. You get to be the character. And most importantly, other people get to see your character especially little kids little kids and cosplayers are like that's a perfect mingle and i mean that in the most positive way ever because you have cosplayers that are going to parties you know for maybe like a five-year-old or maybe a child and you know all they want for their birthday party is they love spider-man so what do you get you get a cosplayer who has a good spider-man suit they go to the party and now your child is ecstatic because now spider-man is there in person and it's not like a, hey, how you doing? I'm Josh. I'm um, dressed up as a Spider-Man. They're like, hey, what's up? I'm Spider-Man. I'm, my real name's Peter Parker. Like, don't tell anybody. You know, they get really in the character. And I just love that fact about it. There's a lot of charity going on with cosplaying. And it's it's really polarizing in the best way. No, definitely. Like, it, it, I think... I think cosplaying is like uh, is such a good art to be in. Like if uh, that's something you like to do. Like I remember, mm-hmm. like I remember as a kid, I went to Universal. Yeah, yeah. The Spider Man ride, you know, that was a big ride to go to. And I remember when I was little, I, I used to love Spider Man, and so one of the biggest memories I had as a child is going to Universal and then see, going to see Spider-Man. Yeah, and again, like, you, hey, you just you love the physical interaction of, you know, it is not a guy in a costume. This is Spider-Man. You know, this is Batman. He's really asking me to go on an adventure with him, and it's just one of the most funnest things that you could do. It's the same thing as, like, you know, when Disney, you know, Disney parks take their character play very seriously. Like, you rarely see them break character. They are actors, through and through, but when you see Gaston, that is Gaston. That is nobody playing Gaston. That is Gaston. Yeah, that's not not that's not yeah. Yeah, like I mean you even see the videos now on YouTube, like people like challenge mm-hmm. Gaston to arm wrestling. And he will always, always you know, stay in character. And that is just through, the cool know? part. It is also or even or even the big the big one that I think I think I don't know if a lot of people know this, but like if you go like Toy Story Land, or mm-hmm. go, I don't know if there's a Toy Story Land, but like if you see the Toy Story characters, I mean, I think, I think it's, I don't know if it's rumor, but I think it's, I think it's true. I think like if you shout, yeah, and, and that's coming, I think fun. Like, I mean, I went to, to cons all the time and I've seen people, you know, uh, one of the popular memes for Spider-Man is like that double pointing, like Spider-Man sees himself and they're just pointing at each other. I've seen other Spider-Man cosplayers do the same thing. You know, you'll see like a oh, Red yeah, Hood yeah, and a that, Joker that, that, just kind of go at it together and they're just like acting out a scene. And it's it's honestly it's honestly a fun experience. People will have sank, including myself, sank a lot of time and effort and money into this. And as you should for any hobby, I think you should be truly invested in what really brings you joy. So when I discuss like prices for people about like, you know, how much do you spend on certain items or how much do you spend on your costumes to make or buy, you know, and I give them uh, not even 
outrageous number, but a, maybe an absurd number to what people probably expect. Well, actually, let me. Can I ask you? Because I I don't know anything about cosplay. Really, how do you mind discussing like how much you may spend on a certain yeah. costume or so, piece of? You know, I think with your, anything, arm, like I like, said, you should be fully invested into what you want. Now, me, as someone who has cosplayed for five years, I'm like, I'm well in the rabbit hole. Let's put it like that. I know essentially a lot of things about pricing, materials, things that go into cosplaying. And cosplaying could be even as something simple as going to a, like a party city. You know, there's not really that much frowning upon it. Just like with any community, you know, there's always going to be ups and downs. So anyone who goes to like a party city, you know, for Halloween, let's put it like this, and compared to like a cosplayer who does it year round, you know, you're talking about someone who's invested a lot of money into it. So I'll throw out some some numbers out there. Uh, so one of the most expensive costuming groups that I've seen is definitely a Star Wars community because Star Wars and its cosplaying community are not necessarily strict, but they know that they want the most screen accurate version of this character. I mean, there are a million versions of Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Deathstroke. You could choose literally any of them or you can create your own. But with Star Wars, you know, there's a certain, yeah, it's very specific. So we're talking, you know, again, I've heard people do it for much cheaper, but we're definitely talking in the thousands range for a screen accurate, you know, Stormtrooper, Darth Vader, Kylo Ren. I mean, I'm doing Kylo Ren right now, and I can already tell you I've definitely synced in more than $1,000 in just two items. So Star Wars costumes definitely get expensive. That's Wow, I didn't I didn't really realize how expensive it was cuz so this is what I thought cosplay was. I thought a lot of it was right, and it is. You're essentially building a character. You're building either your own or you're building a character that you generally are fond of. So people again, you know, if you bought a Spider-Man costume, you're not only paying for that Spider-Man costume, but you're spending money on the labor of it the materials, the time and effort that went into it compared to someone who already knows how to sew and make the materials themselves. I mean, that's the difference between three to $400 spending money on a very good Spider-Man suit to maybe $150 if you make your own, which again, we're still talking in the hundreds range, but that to me, that sounds a lot better than spending $400 if you know that you can make it. I would only spend money on a costume knowing that I could not make it myself. There's many ways to make costumes. You know, it's the same as like with sewing. Um, There's 3D printing now. You can use foam. You can use resin. You can use um, like a latex silicon. There's many ways to achieve what you're trying to build as a character. So, you know, let's say mm, any like maybe like a flash. We were just talking about flash earlier in the podcast. Flash is a very sort of, if we're talking okay, the yeah. TV show, it's a very fabric-y kind of outfit. So a lot of it is definitely on a sewing aspect compared to, let's discuss, 
um, like an Iron Man costume, which has a lot of armor pieces. So the way you achieve each costume plays into the strengths of what you know. If you know how to work foam or 3D print, then an Iron Man costume is a lot easier for you. And if you don't know how to sew, or if you do know how to sew, you're most likely going to lean towards the flash because you're able to do that. Not saying you couldn't learn the other skills, but it definitely plays to your strengths. Like me, I've majority for all cons that I've went to in the last five years, I've only worked with foam. Now I'm starting to learn how to sew so I can learn how to sew bodysuits and other materials like that to help improve my cosplaying. Just so I'm not spending three or $400 on a spandex suit. I know how to make it. And the materials for that are less than $100. So it's always something to just consider in the art. It can get very pricey or it can get, you know, not so pricey. It can be very yeah. affordable. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm just kind of like sinking that all in because it, to me, I, I didn't really know what cosplay is. So it's, it's very interesting mm -hmm. to hear how many different directions they can go depending on yeah. skill level and like what you're comfortable using. And again, I know people who only go spending. as armored characters. Like we're talking, you know, again, those Iron Man type of characters where you are just wearing armor pieces all around. I know people who had only go strictly as that. I know people who only stick to the fabric and clothing side of cosplaying. So there, you're talking about a different spectrum of things and not to bash it in a negative way, but we're not talking about like a Party City Spirit Halloween type of costume that people are only wearing for one day. No, yeah, I totally get that because those, because yeah, like those Party Cities are all the Halloween costume store, those right, those and it's it's definitely made, mass produced. Only made for like a one night thing, or maybe maybe like two or three nights. Like that's it. They're not made to last. They're made to just look good for right. a night. Or and two. we're talking about and if I'm commissioning something from someone, about. it is definitely not something that they have mass produced in a quantity that would be comparable to like a party city. They might have made five of the items compared to there's been a thousand Toy Story costumes been sold already. But I'm getting a custom piece that has been designed to me, been tailored to me to fit my measurements compared to, again, a Toy Story costume that has, you know, the generic small, medium, large standard body types. Yeah, like for you, like for any cosplayer, that 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 costume Mm -hmm. that you know the material used it's specific to you right because i'm not necessarily making a costume it. for anyone else it, yeah it's designed for me i'm the one who's for wearing it and most people they go to one con a year some people go to 20 so we're talking about a durability that can last multiple suit ups and suit downs compared to again like you said the one night Yeah, because that's the other thing. A lot of those, because like you know, a lot of those cons, like I noticed, like a lot of those, I'll say for me, mm -hmm. just because I'm I'm very new to that whole thing, like I'm, I don't really know much of it. But those armor pieces, like it, it I, from what yeah, I and it most times if we're talking massive off. costumes or many armor pieces, most people would have you know what they call. A handler which there is a real world application of it is essentially just 
you know, a friend or someone that you know or trust that helps you walk around the con. So let's say if you got a big Hulkbuster armor, they're probably the one who's directing you because you're only focused on them. You can't see people walking around you. Um, maybe an armor, an armor piece or armor piece or two, maybe it just have fallen oh, off. Sure. You can't reach it, that. so they're helping you put that armor piece back on. You know, so it's definitely a wide spectrum of things. Oh, yeah. If you're ever wondering, you know, how they do it, you know, they're not doing it alone. If you're talking a huge costume, we're definitely talking about a team of people helping to put that together. It's just not the guy in the one costume. He's probably got a whole team watching him, directing him where to go. Yeah, especially especially for like assembling it, like even like assembling it before they even going. Because like sometimes like those pieces that I see, they're like so intricately Mm -hmm. designed. It's like there's no way they can put that all on themselves and still make it look good. That has to be like they put something on and maybe they put the helmet on last. But then yeah, because I can speak from my personal experience actually on for them. Um, in the last few years that I've been cosplaying, I've gone for more of the it looks good, but it doesn't feel good. Like it's definitely picture perfect, but there have been times at cons where the costume I'm in has prevented me from sitting down. So I'm essentially standing for eight to 10 hours nonstop in a costume and have not been able to just sit down or maybe move my arms just because I'm trying to go for the most picture friendly. Yeah. Picture friendly, picture accurate costume that I can. And if that means I have to sacrifice a certain aspect of the costume, then so be it. Now I'm definitely trying to lean into that comfortability stage because I feel like I'm leveling up. Yeah, that's awesome. I see that's so interesting. Me just hearing. Yeah, that. again, like, I so I'm a huge like, advocate. When things. people always ask me around Halloween time, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? It's it's always going to be subjective. I can give you a very good budget on how to do a costume. If you know how to make it, that's great. I can give you some pointers on how to do things. If you're afraid or worrisome or you have questions about things, you know, you don't have to be necessarily on my level of spending or doing to cosplay. Cosplay is for anyone. It doesn't matter what status you are, what race, religion, culture. It does not matter. Iron Man could be black. Black Panther could be white. I mean, you're talking about a wide spectrum of things. Cosplaying is strictly for anyone. Wonder Woman could be a male. I've definitely seen those. You could have gender bends. You could have swapping of races. But again, it's for everyone. And I don't think people will necessarily get upset if I played Batman. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, it's what I love to do. Yeah. But like, to me, like, Mm-hmm. Well, like, I'll say specifically Batman. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, know I think I know where you're going with it. Because I don't want to sound bad. But I, again, it's there's always going to be a public perception kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, as a black man, I don't feel as if I need to be necessarily limited to black characters. Yeah. 
No, no, absolutely. No, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not saying, a good point, you know, I'm, you I'm know not necessarily, I'm not, you know, I'm definitely not one of those people I think say, you actually just brought up a really good to topic this. about it, that, you know, you're always, you're, there's always going to be someone hating, again, someone's going to hate that Wonder Woman's a male, someone's always going to hate that Black Panther's white, I mean, you're, again, at the end of the day, the person and things that are, have, are not controllable by them, shouldn't matter because again it is your hobby people have bashed me because again i'm spending i'm putting a lot of money into what i love so again when i throw out numbers that are in the thousands people are like are you crazy how could you spend so much money i'm gonna let you know that right now i don't care <laughs> because at the end of it it is my love and my passion that drives it <laughs> and that is something that nobody can take away from me it's the same thing with anything if someone likes to draw and someone is just bashing your drawings, don't let them stop you from drawing. Honestly, it is your work. Art is interpretation. Art is up to interpretation. It is subjective. People won't understand the meaning of a simple painting. You know, to you, it might be an apple. But to me, as the artist, that apple might represent more than just being a physical apple. Yeah, true. Like, and I think, like, with art, art is so big. It's so wide. It's such a wide variety. Like, it's music, painting, acting, cosplay. It's such a big aspect that, like, if you're truly passionate exactly. for it, so it as long as you're passionate about it, other people think. it's yours. Like, if it at the end of the day, if you love it, exactly. Like, at exactly. the end of the day, if you love what you're doing, and I keep think doing that's it, the no important takeaway from all this is that regardless of what your hobbies are, you know, don't let anyone take that away from you because it's very important that you have something that is only yours and belongs to you as a person. Don't let anyone take that away from you. It is strictly yours. Find something that just brings you passion because you you see it a lot in relationships, you know, people stop doing things because, you know, you associate, Right. You you associate yourself with that person and whether the memory be good or bad, you know, you just lose that love for that craft. If it's yours from the start, it should be yours till the end. Someone can only add to your passion. They cannot detract from it. That is my honest opinion from it or else we would be, you know, we would have nothing of our own. We have nothing that would make Kyle special or Rolando special or anyone special if it's not your own. Yeah, even. Yeah, because yeah, again, and it, this, it doesn't just, you know, stand on just relationship. It just, in general, you should just have something that's just yours. If you like dancing, someone can only add to that dancing. Don't let them detract from that or else you won't like dancing no more. And you, you see it all the time. People will just say, well, I just lost the love for doing it, you know, and it is a, a sad reality. No, you see that a lot with people. You see that a lot of people like will say, you know, I used to do this, but now I can only think mm -hmm. of so and so, or I can only think of it with. So again, so once you once you like disassociate it. that from it being a group thing to it being an individual thing, you'll find that it's a lot more relaxing and a lot more calming, knowing that this is mine alone and no one can take this from me.
Yeah, yeah. that sounds like And I'm trademarking it. So <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> but yep, I need my royalty. <laughs> but no, it, it is oh, a right, it so is I a good lesson. That. And it is something that I recently discovered. Because again, I've I've heard it all around. I think in the beginning of high school, you know, when I first started cosplaying, people saw it as a weird thing. And it would make me feel uncomfortable and insecure about it. Now Oh yeah, so let me ask you, how did you get over that? Like, cause like, yeah, I mean, in the high mm-hmm. school, I mean, given high school is such a judgmental place to begin with, but how how did that feel when you got into cosplaying? Cause like, I mean, definitely, I would think you know some people, if not the vast right, majority it's of people it's might the think stereotype of cosplaying of it. is you know and again, it, like, I think what really helped is just being surrounded by people who really enjoyed it and were passionate about it. You know, you're not going to try to be surrounded by the person who thinks that you what you do is negative and it's weird. You're not you don't want to be associated with that. I can tell you what, though, since I first started cosplaying. Um, there has been a, I guess, an up push of cons and I guess a cultural relevancy of comic book material. I mean, the MCU started in 2008. People love their Iron Mans and stuff like that, but it was still kind of a, oh, you do this, you go to conventions, you know, we're talking like neck beards, you know, you know, bigger weird guys and weird girls going to a place that's hot and sweaty. And that's, of course, the stereotype of it. But now in the last few years, I mean, we're waiting for San Diego Comic-Con to come out so we can see the next trailer for the next Batman movie. So it's surprising to me how much this has grown in the last five years. Because even when I went to New York Comic-Con, it was still relatively small. I mean, tickets were maybe $90 for the whole weekend. Now we're definitely pushing $250 because it's just grown as a, as a culture and as a thing. I mean, you're definitely hearing about Iron Man and Star Wars and DC and Marvel a lot more than what you used to back then when there was just Blade or Spider-Man or um, let's say like the first yeah, few think- Batman movies with Tim Burton. I mean, we're definitely getting up there. Yeah, I think I think this this day and age, like even though like given everything that's going on, I think this day and age it's definitely a more. I don't know what the cause of it. If you have a theory, please say. Mm-hmm. But I think this day and age, it's a lot more superhero focused. Yeah, because I can or comic comic book focused. I could say. Like everyone everyone knows a comic book now. Everyone knows Iron Man or Black Panther or Flash or Green Arrow or Superman, you know. Everyone knows that. Everyone, yeah, cuz again, we're talking about a huge push in pop culture. I mean, Comic-Cons have moved past the comic books only sort of stigma to now we're talking like Rick and Morty, Supernatural, uh anything like that that is not necessarily <laughs> in origin a comic book property we are now seeing at conventions all over i mean even in new york we're talking impractical jokers you know something that's not even relating to comic books but they are still advertising it because pop culture now is so relevant it involves everything which i think was definitely the help and push of the conventions in the last few years because it went from just being superheroes and marvel and dc to no, okay, now we're going to do Star Wars and 
again, Rick and Morty and Supernatural and Impractical Jokers, and we're going to market these. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I know it's like a lot, of, like, uh, throughout my high school, uh, like, knowing Comic Con, like, I know, I knew Comic Con, mm-hmm. like, it used to be just for, like, or maybe I'm wrong on this. This is just my perspective. It used to just be for comic books and just for dressing up for that. And now Comic Con, or a lot of these Comic Cons, they advertise so much more, like, They'll advertise TV Yeah, because, again, you know, when San Diego happens, when San Diego Comic-Con happens, they would shut down the whole city. I mean, everyone in that city knew what was going on. Because we're not just talking, you know, not saying Grant Gus is not a huge actor. He obviously is. You know, he was in Glee and The Flash. But we're moving on past the TV actors. So now we're talking big names like Will Smith and Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck, they're all showing up to this one convention to promote their new either movie, comic book movie, whatever. And we're even seeing musicians. I mean, The Weeknd and Will I Am, they've both had comic books and they've been promoting them at conventions. So you're seeing, you know, not even just TV or voice actors, we're seeing actual A lister, some movie stars and musicians actually going to this convention. And being a part of this ever-growing culture, which I think is just awesome, it is just amazing. No, that's awesome. It's just, it's so crazy how, in such, I, I, I may, I say, dare say this, but such a yeah, because it, it, it's just incredible. And, and I think you know, once you get past the idea that Comic Con is only for you know, people who enjoy comics, I think you'll really have a fun time there. Because I know people who are not in the comics, but they live in New York, and that's just a fun time to just go to. Because you just you just might never know what happens. You might even start your love for these things there. Yeah, like... Yeah, like, I know for me, like, personally, like, so, like, I... Uh, I started like mm-hmm. I always like comic books. I was I always like the I like I was Spider Man. He was like my favorite character. And then one day on TV, I saw the advertisement for the Flash come on when it first came out. I'm like, oh, this is a cool show. I'll start watching it. And then after that, I after that I heard of San Diego Comic Con, and then I saw all these different panels of different TV shows come out. And I started loving each one of those TV shows mm-hmm. too. Because again, start, like, media has just has just definitely them. helped it. I mean, again, yeah, you're seeing a big push for this. I mean, when comic book movies come out now, they're most likely going to be advertised at a convention first, and then it will be put on the YouTube. Rather than you would see a trailer of it on TV. Yeah, those... Yeah, all, nowadays those comic books are huge. Like, oh, there is a, a huge marketing push for comic book movies. Huge nowadays. Now. I mean, you have a lot of the huge contenders. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even as them, Marvel, Marvel and DC, and DC I mean, both of their media properties are owned by both Warner Brothers and Disney. So now you have these streaming sites like Disney Plus and um hbo max that are pushing out these shows like these old shows like static shock and 
Avengers or his Mightiest Heroes and other things that are not just Disney properties. I mean, we're seeing Mandalorian. We're seeing Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're seeing the Snyder Cut of Justice League on on these streaming apps that you would think just show movies and TV shows. But now there's a huge, you know, you go on Disney Plus and what's the first two things you see? You see Marvel and Star Wars. So there's definitely a push for it. Hundred like, and that's the other thing. Like, it's mm-hmm. so crazy. Because how, like, again, who who would have thought, right? Larger corporations. That... Yeah, yeah, because like, I, I that buyout for a while literally came out of nowhere. I mean, they just acquired Fox too, and Fox owns a lot of Marvel properties as well. I mean, Fox has X Men, he has Deadpool, and a lot of their associating. Yeah, yeah with the exception of minor now, characters. So complete again? I don't I know most of the details, but in the 90s Marvel had to sell a lot of their properties off to different corporations. That's right. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I knew that. A lot of the time because they were they were going bankrupt. Because the comic books weren't selling as mm-hmm. well. And, and that's how Sony biggest, had got the most, it. The infamous one is Spider-Man. They sold Spider-Man. Yeah, because again, you had, at that time, there was like the TV shows, there was the X-Men TV show, there was a Fantastic Four TV show, there was definitely a Spider-Man one, and they were trying to build like their own cartoon thing. I mean, in the 90s, you didn't really see a push from Marvel of their properties, except for maybe the animated shows. I mean, by that time, you already had Tim Burton's Batman out in 89, and it's following sequels after that. And what did Marvel have at the time? I think they had like a a terrible Captain America movie and Howard the Duck. I mean, Marvel didn't really start pushing their movies out until 98. And we're talking the first X-Men. We're talking Blade, Spider-Man. That's when it's really started making a push to like, hey, we should probably venture it into other media sources. Yeah, like Spider-Man, I... Yeah, like for me, I know like Spider-Man was the mm-hmm. biggest one that I found. Like that was the first thing, first comic book. Yeah, and people um, still love that uh, version Toby, of Toby, of uh, Spider-Man. Toby Just like how people still love the Adam West and Michael Keaton versions of Batman. So it's not like yeah. those characters have went away. I mean, even now in the new Flash movie, they're teasing the fact that Michael Keaton might return as Batman. And he hasn't been Batman in over almost 40 years. So it's crazy again, how much it has changed because no one could have imagined how big this would have been. Yeah, I think it's just crazy how with times changing, so much other things. Yeah, because again, we're talking big cultural impacts. I mean, let's look at Black Panther. That was, that is definitely in the top 10 highest grossing movies of all time it reached over a billion dollars within i don't remember if it was the first week or second but it definitely was one of the fastest again and you have a prominent black character black character in a very tense political time in his own solo movie where he's the king he is a ruler of his own land in africa and he's got the baddest suit and he's got you know the greatest legion of female fighters ever and just the 
Right. And he has a tech that's more advanced than the rest of the, the world. And tech, like if you honestly you know, saw, if you were there opening night, you know, you saw just the flood of people of color and the huge proudness they had to be someone like that. Because now, thanks to Black Panther and, you know, Chadwick Boseman, you know, rest in peace to the king, he has definitely helped market things like Captain Marvel and Shang-Chi and all these other, you know, people of color and minority groups. He has helped push that a lot more, just like with Black Lightning from DC and Static Shock. They have helped push, hey, it doesn't have to be just one type of character. We have a lot more, just like with Miles Morales, just like with Static Shock, just like with Black Panther. You are pushing out a lot more of these minority groups because you see that there need to be representation, which I think, again, it's just awesome because, you know, I'm not going to say Black Panther was the first black superhero because we obviously had Blade prior to that. We had Steel. But again, you're talking about a character who is a ruler. He is a leader. He is charismatic. He is charming. He is a leader and he is to be taken seriously. So it is just incredible just to see, again, how much the push has been in comic books and in and pop culture. Yeah, I think I think it's amazing. Yeah, because again, especially with Black Panther, huge cultural do. impact, and you got it from the most prominent black actor at that time. I mean, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, he was, was James like, Brown. Was, he was Jackie Robinson. He was Thurgood Marshall. He's playing all these prominent black historians and important people in black culture. And now you have him playing one of the most prominent black superheroes of all time. And now you market that. You market almost the hell out of that. You market it to the fullest extent. And it's not necessarily Black Panther is a black movie. It is a superhero movie with a superhero. It is not a black superhero movie with a black superhero. It is a superhero movie with a superhero, which I think people, you know, saw it as. It wasn't just like, oh, this is a black character. This is a character who is black. It wasn't just a movie for a black. Yeah, it right, a, a and it's for everyone. African Americans. It was a it was a superhero movie Which, with a again, superhero. I again, I'm very proud of it. You yeah. know, I dress, I cosplay as Black Panther, and every time I put on the suit, it is phenomenal. Just the reception from it, and I can thank all that to the success of Marvel and Chadwick Boseman. So can I ask you just one last interesting note? I'll I'm say. honored. This, this, this is one. This, even though it's my second, this is my longest podcast I've had. Um, yeah, no, and I, I'm glad we were able to speak with so many topics. Um, but one last topic uh, question, really, is what can I ask? What your your theory would be? Because um, you know, sadly, you know, rest mm-hmm. in peace with what happened with Chadwick Boseman. But they did plan on having a second one. So, 
do you have right. an idea this is, what they could do? This or, is, or do you and you know, I'm glad you asked this because do? I have been looking someone into it. There's been a lot of theories online about how to go about it. And realistically, there's only three ways that you could handle a situation like this because they never even started shooting by the time that he passed. So you have three options. You can either write the character out or kill him off, which unfortunately I think now Black Panther is too important of a character to just disregard. So you can't, you can't, yeah, you can't just say he doesn't exist now. You've already established him in four yeah, other movies. Yeah, you can't say he just didn't exist. And two of those were the biggest movie. Three, if you want, I always say two of those. Right, and one and each and each one of them. We're talking Captain America: Civil War. We're talking Infinity War. We're talking Black Panther. We're talking Endgame. Each of those movies have made over a billion dollars each. Especially with Endgame reaching over two billion, and who was the first character to walk out of that portal when he came back? Spoiler alert! But it was it was Black Panther. So again, he is too prominent of a character to just write off. So that's the first theory. I think I think they were planning on if I'm if I'm correct in my right. Because you are now establishing a new team. A new stepping stone into the Avengers. Because I think that's what they were saying. I think. Yeah, Yeah. because again, your whole new lineup now is, you know, Falcon as Captain America, you know, Tony Stark. You know, this is just going to be a spoiler, spoiler zone all over. But Tony Stark is dead. So now you have to have someone who has the technological acknowledgement. Um, achievements as Tony Stark. So you fill it in with Black Panther. You have Captain Marvel, who is your woman character. I mean, you're definitely trying to push for a new Avengers kind of route. So again, getting rid of him is not necessarily an option because he's just too important as a character. So that's the first one that you could write him out. The second one is that you pass him to his sister, Shuri, which in the comics, she does become a Black Panther. And that would make the most story. That would make the most story-driven reason because you wouldn't necessarily recast anyone as T'Challa. You, you yeah. No offense. I don't think. I don't think mm-hmm. you could. I, I honestly don't think you could recast someone. Say it's T'Challa. Right. You know. But you could make. Other I people, Black Panther, if they were to bring back Killmonger child, and he know? had a redemption arc and he became the Black Panther, that's fine. Yeah, but because th- that was what I was wondering. I, I was I was going to ask you, could, do you think they could do that? Because Michael Jordan had amazing, amazing characters in Killmonger. And then wouldn't that be an amazing story arc to like say, you know, Oh, he actually last minute, you know, he actually did save him. He, you know, so you know, kind wounds, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the ending arc with Killmonger. He said, "No, let me die and bury me at sea like my ancestors." But it it make it gives him a redeeming story of you know he was twisted in in you know how he was raised, but now he's able to move on. Right, and I I think that's. You know, one of the best ways that they could do it. I think either giving it to Shuri or giving it to Killmonger 
is probably the best way to continue the story. But obviously the third option would be to recast him as T'Challa or recast someone as T'Challa. I've heard rumors that, and it seems like a public um, opinion would be to cast John David uh, Washington, Denzel's son, as the new Black Panther. Which honestly, I won't knock the guy's you know, acting. He is definitely good. But unfortunately, just like how with Robert Downey Jr., you see him as only Tony Stark, people are going to unfortunately see Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. So getting him and recasting him as someone completely different after you establish that Chadwick is Black Panther for the last four movies, it is going to take a lot of storytelling and a lot of acting on uh, Washington's part to play a character like him, which honestly, that must be troubling to fill in such big shoes from Chadwick. I think it's not even just filling big shoes. I think it's just even like the fan base. Like, I mean, think about it like this way. I'll put it as a big simplification. Basically, like you, I'll put it the biggest simplification that is, I, in my opinion, in comic book based mm-hmm. Spider Man. You know, you had Tobey Maguire, then you had Andrew Garfield, and now you have Tom Holland. And with each variation, people hated it at first. Like, I remember when Toby yeah. when, um, Andrew Garfield took over as Spider-Man after Toby Maguire's Spider-Man thing, um, his trilogy, people hated Andrew Garfield in the first one. They were like, oh, no, he is not my Spider-Man, you know? And then when Tom Holland first happened, when the first when the news first came out about him, I was like, no, they're, they're, why are they having a... Uh, yeah, because uh, again, he, he's just one of those characters that there's just been multiple variations. I mean, Marvel has already established, you know, the MCU's the their whole universe. You could introduce a multi, like a multiverse kind of aspect where you just get a Black Panther from a different universe. But you've already established Chris Evans as Captain America. You've already established um, Chris Hemsworth and. Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man and Thor. You've already established these characters. So unfortunately, it's not a simple fix that they can just reboot the whole series just to fix one character. They would have to continue the story somehow, some way. That's true because it's not just now because Black Panther was integral with all the, the other characters. It's not just like Let's say Black Panther was a standalone film, then you could, you know, say, "Oh yeah, he actually never existed on this universe. He yeah. was in this parallel." Because again, this is not like its own Avengers little universe. standalone thing. You've Panther. already established that this character exists sadly, in this universe. They... Yeah, sadly, they they already established it. And quite big as well. He wasn't. It wasn't just like a very minor part that they were like testing. Like yeah, even and that was only due to the fact that they thought they wasn't going to get Spider Man. But even after that, I mean, you're people still praise that version of Black Panther and Civil War. I mean, to be honest, that is like one of my favorite suits. Is the Civil War Black Panther one? 
just because I love the aesthetic of it and the design of it. But people still talk about that. That wasn't even an Avengers movie. It wasn't even a Black Panther movie. It was a Captain America movie first. But people are talking about the Black Panther from that. Which if you're talking about another character from the title, from the title character's movie, then you know that you did a good job. So unfortunately, they'll have to, you know, I'm sure Marvel will be able to figure it out. I'm sure Ryan Coogler will be able to figure it out. And whatever they do to honor Chadwick or honor the Black Panther's legacy, I have faith that they'll be able to do it. I'm sure I'll refer back to this podcast when it happens. Yeah, like, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. these people, they, they, they're they definitely taking into consideration the fan base as well. And, like, what would be the best way of going about Yeah, because, again, you, you honor they, someone that's what they, that they want to do. I think they by essentially not writing him off, by not, you know, by not getting... By not getting rid of his character. Saying. Yeah, or by, to me, I mm-hmm. think the best way they can do by not, by, by honoring him is not replacing, you know, not saying, not, no offense to Den, Denzel's right. son, but by not, by not making that decision, you know, by not recasting. Because I think that's such a hard. Yeah, you're definitely gonna cause a stir. Oh, now this. I mean, granted, had it been just Civil War, Black Panther have appeared in, it probably would have been a lot easier of a pill to swallow if they had recasted him then. But you've already established him in four movies, right? One seven. Yeah, and not to mention one that's his own. Because, like, even, I mean, you could even say even if it was just him in those other movies, even that could, in a way, mm-hmm. be cast it, you know, because you didn't get main part, you know, you were just a, no offense, a side character in a bigger set. But the fact, I think it's the fact that you have the movie that is his movie, it's the title card yeah. movie. Because again, you so you've already established him as a prominent figure in this universe, and it's an it's unfortunate. I wish there could have been a way that Chadwick could have had a say in it. Maybe I knew he definitely knew about his colon cancer. If he had maybe set something up, but he was from what the stories say, he was believing the fact that he was going to live it so that he could re- do Black Panther too. But unfortunately, that did not happen. So now Marvel is just kind of scrambling about how to do it. But first, they have to honor Chadwick as the person. It's just that. But yeah, I've enjoyed all these conversations. All all these topics. These are good topics. Me too. I I really enjoy having this conversation. And all these topics. Well, I'll tell you what, Kyle. Thank you for being a part of Thank you for letting me be a part of the podcast. You know, I honestly, when you had came to me about this, you know, I was ecstatic. I I have not heard from you in a long time. And I think this is the perfect platform to just have a good discussion about it, especially since, you know, this, I mean, just the concept of going back and talking to your friends about any podcast brings a sort of 
um, relevancy and relatability rather than just, hey, listen to this, you know, politician or nothing. I mean, you're recalling old memories that we haven't dug up since high school. So, you know, I love what you're doing with the podcast and I'm a huge fan and I'm excited to hear more about it. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you. I of really course. That. Yeah, like, because, like, I really, when I, so I'll just get into, like, myself a little bit, but, like, when I wanted to make this podcast, I want, like, at first I was like, well, maybe I could do a, like, Joe rogan ass or, like, a Logan Paulus way of making a podcast, but then I was like, but after my first one, I was like, you know what, I just, I want to talk to people, I just, I really want to just get to know them, you know, because, you only get to know so much of a person. I feel like a podcast where you get to just listen to someone talk about mm-hmm. themselves when you ask again, questions. It's so interesting to hear who they really are. When yeah, and this, it's the same thing as when other people listen hour, to the podcast as I well. Like I mean, I learned a lot about Anthony, and I've away now. honestly, I've I've only maybe interacted with him a few times in the hall, and yet I learned so much about him through the podcast. And that's the other thing. Like, I, of course, I want to do it with the only people that are comfortable, but like, it's interesting when people. Yeah. And I, I think that would definitely help in so much, you know, kind of promoting the about. idea of, hey, we are just more than what you see on the street. You know, each person has their own story to tell. And I think your podcast is doing a good job about, you know, enforcing that. Well, thank you, man. I thank you for being part of the second podcast. Yeah, and I'm and I'm glad too. And you know what? Thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. You know, I I hope to do more in the future. But if not, then I wish nothing but success. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Round two. (laughs) No, I definitely want to have everyone back on at least for two episodes. Because there were, there were some things that I didn't... Yeah, of course. And again, you. Kyle, I wish you nothing yeah. but the best. Thank you again, man. It was great talking to you, and I really appreciate it. All right. All right, good talk. And again, have Thank fun. Thank you, and you too. I wish you nothing but the best in your life. All right, you too. Take care. All right. Good talking to you, man.